man, you know what's really cool is when you see two things you probably didn't imagine together, but when they're together, like it works and you would have never known it until you saw them together. No, I'm not talking about you and your girlfriend or your boyfriend. I'm talking about Bloomberg and The Athletic. What a perfect parent that you didn't know was perfect until it was paired. And guess what? It is now paired. This is important because the economy is getting back underway. And with it, the world of pro sports. Stay ahead of the curve with the unparalleled tools of two world-class news desks covering the developments across finance, economics, technology, and sports. Yes, you get it all with Bloomberg and The Athletic together. So, subscribe to Bloomberg.com. And if you're not already a subscriber of The Athletic, for a limited time, you will receive a complimentary subscription to The Athletic. So, go to Bloomberg.com slash subscribe and sign up today and also get The Athletic subscription if you don't have one. Bloomberg and The Athletic. You did not know it was going to be this good. Plus minus. Tim Kawakami deserves all the credit. Plus minus. That is a word right there. <laughs> I didn't what say, what'd you say? Plus minus. Yeah, like, like you, Marcus Thompson. Marcus always tell the truth. Plus minus. The only thing that I would say to Ethan Strauss is that he's a pretty damn good reporter. Um, he's well plus respected. Minus. I think he got the highest plus minus in the season in NBA history. We are in the building. This is starting to feel like an actual season. We have the draft lottery coming up. And we're, we're in the building of this this space where we're doing our jobs and things are a bit normal. What? We're in that building. I remember, hey, the, the draft lottery's coming up. Like, now we got something to pay attention to. Like, it, it just got a little real. Welcome to Warriors Plus Minus. It is Marcus Thompson with Tim Kawakami, the boss man, and Ethan Strauss, the trouble starter. No Anthony Slater. <laughs> he is matrimonious. Yeah, can we announce wow. that? Is that, is that, is that uh, I don't know. I think yeah. I just kind of did. My bad. My bad, Slater. Well, Slater is Slater off for, yeah, getting for whatever. hitched. Yeah. We don't tiptoe around marriage here. This is big deal. It would be suspicious if he wanted nobody to know. That would be a uh, little You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> Shh, don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody. I, I just got here. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm on the road as a beat writer. They don't tell. <laughs> I know, joking. right? Yeah, nah. <laughs> just nah, joking, Slater. You know, we, we, we know his, uh, his wife, so that's, it's just great. It's great. Slater's married. He's covering the Lakers. He's covering the Warriors. He's getting married. Lots of things going on. I remember... Uh, this funny story that, you know, readers might care about, listeners might care about. When we were recruiting Slater at the Barry News Group for uh, the Warriors beat that I was uh, abandoning, I guess I had already abandoned it, and, and Diamond Leung was the beat writer, and then he left to New York to be with his wife, and they were like, hey, Marcus, we're whining and dining Slater. Can you, you know, go to dinner with him? And I was like, I mean, yeah, I can. Like, is it just me? Might be a little awkward. I don't know this guy. 
And they were like, yeah, uh, Tim Kawakami says he does not do recruiting. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, dang it, why didn't say that first? I just said, Tim Derrick Rose Kawakami. <laughs> yeah, it's like, you know what? I was so mad I didn't say that first. I was like, ah, yeah, I can do it, but it is like, yeah, no, nah, Tim said he don't do that. I was like, Jesus. <laughs> I should have said that. <laughs> I knew, but that's, I knew Slater because I, you know, we'd seen him at the Oklahoma City series, and you're like, what, 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 where a dinner is going to make the difference here? My, I think I got some other things I can do, and if he wants to call me, that's fine. I'm not going to dinner with him. I, I didn't do that, but you did, Marcus. You, I you did. probably I made did. were the difference. You helped turn Slater's career around by making what sure the he deal? came to the bait. Just call me. Liam Hendricks, the close. <laughs> Don't call you Trevor Gott. Don't call you Trevor Gott. Brian Smith just threw his hat in the production. Oh, my God. The Giants fans are mad. That's what I'm getting from all this. It's, it's so are. funny, too, because they knew the Giants sucked, and it's still bothering them like crazy, which is kind of hilarious. But congratulations are in order Slate. to Slater and his lovely wife. Uh, I won't say her name because I don't know if he wants that out there, but congratulations are in order for Slater. And uh, by the way, he's, all, he's still covering a lot around Thursday. I didn't make him. I didn't make him. He just volunteered. I, I saw it, the so. I saw a Slack message like that. Like, yeah, Slater. I was like, what, what is he doing? What is he doing? He's killing the marriage already. Uh, the draft lottery from from a distance. Slater, don't do it. Stay gone. But meanwhile, we had Ethan on the Bob Myers lottery conference call. So Ethan, back to your beat roots. What was that like? Just grilling Bob about the lottery coming up on Thursday? It was kind of nice to check in with the familiar voices because you're not doing the interaction, obviously. And just a little meetup. It was good. And it was just interesting that Bob communicated. I was asking him about it. Hey, is there a chance that this top five pick, theoretically, might be a guy you've never seen play and never seen work out? And he said, yeah, there's a really good chance that happens. And I know Bob hates that. I know he hates that. He's a lifer. He's somebody who likes to get out on the road. He wants to have that feeling. And then, then you have to broaden this out because this isn't just the Warriors, obviously. The Warriors, if anything, have done more work on the ground and have more people in their staff who have seen these players because they knew that they stunk really early on versus some of these other teams. You have to think about, okay, how does that impact the value of the pick? How does that impact if you want to trade the pick? Because a lot of people are saying, trade the pick, trade the pick. But if these GMs can't get in a room with these guys and can't see them work out and weren't at a game, they don't have that fall in love moment. I feel like this is going to be one of the lowest trade value drafts in NBA history, in part because there's no prospect who's really regarded as can't miss, but also just there's no fall in love moment. So that's something I got from it. Were you that, saying, like, Bob, if you don't see a guy whose name rhymes with Jillian Bays, uh, <laughs> would you still draft him number one? Was that, couldn't you, wouldn't you, wouldn't you, don't you have to draft him? <laughs> I was thinking. I, I was thinking about it. Bob, get real. What do you think about Killian Hayes? You know, what's your what's your thoughts? Come on, come on. Just give them to me. What, what are we? You doing? love him, don't you? You love him. We all love him. But Killian Hayes, I think, is going through this thing that the other prospects are of out of sight, out of mind. And I don't know how you how get in the minds of How is he hooked up with you already, Ethan? How, how come you're not like running workouts for him in L.A. to make sure that people see him? I don't know who his agent is, but clearly that agent is sleeping. I've had other agents call me and they, they want me to talk about their prospects, but none none from whoever is repping Hayes. So uh, wow. that's 
you know, what are you going to do? <laughs> do you know what this draft actually kind of reminds me of is the O2 draft. I don't think it feels that bad of a draft, but it's just remember the Warriors were like the worst team and they did not get the number one pick. They were so all in on Yao. And it was like, they got number three. They didn't get number two. They didn't get Jay Williams. It was like, yeah, this draft is a waste of time. I just remember <laughs> feeling like, yeah, this draft was a complete waste of time. They felt that way. Musselman certainly thought that once they drafted Dunleavy because he didn't want anything to do with, well, I shouldn't say didn't want anything to do with Dunleavy, but he was not the biggest Dunleavy fan, which immediately sets off alarms. Like, this is not going to be a great situation when the coach doesn't love Mike Dunleavy as a number three overall. We haven't had things like that, right? I mean, it hasn't, like, Nelly, there were certainly issues with him and their number one picks, but I'm just saying... In our recent memory, which is really this era, that hasn't been like that. Where like, oh my God, this player they just acquired doesn't fit what they want to do, and now what? How are they going to jam all that? That's that's what a good team. That's you know like we used to have that like almost every pick. Anthony Randolph, Patrick O'Brien, what? And I used to go down through them, and it was well, we're not really fitting. What's going to? At least you can say for the Warriors, their biggest acquisitions all fit. Now they've had some first round picks in the back end that haven't been good. But you don't see this, well, what what are they going to do with this person? Like, even Mike Dunleavy, what's Musselman going to do with him? He didn't really know or care. Like, he, he just didn't feel that one. And I think the organization has graduated past that, I guess is my point. And probably we'll, we'll, we'll assume with this one. I mean, we'll see. Again, this is a tough draft. I detected a little bit of Bob saying, well, the analytics are going to pick this guy. <laughs> That's kind of what I got from it was... Well, you know, we can't see them. So there is a lot of math, 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 analytics, analytics, the data, the data, the data. And I, I'm only half kidding when I say there is a little bit of an aura of, hey, if this doesn't work out, I'd be mean, blame those dudes in the math department over there. Should have kept Sammy. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's Billy Bean's fault. It's Billy Bean's fault. He's the one who started this whole thing. Especially Bob, right? Bob wants to, you know, get in there, do the psychology, touch and feel. And this is like, what he did as, a, as an agent, right? That's what, like, I knew him. Like, he was like an evaluator as an agent. Go out there and pick who Arn Tellum wanted to represent. Figure out exactly how to maximize this guy's talents that maybe other people aren't seeing former player you know he, he does believe in the feel for the game you know you know things that are beyond measure statistics but uh, it might, really might not be able to do that and you know i don't was jacob evans an analytical pick guys I, I, i'm not sure about that one if he was maybe you don't want to do it but if, if he wasn't i think you might want to get into some of the larger analytical stats so ethan who's your who's the analytical pick then I think it's the guy playing in the German league whose stats fare favorably to Dennis Schroeders, uh, who was a year older when he was picked out of that league, uh, won Killian Hayes. I think that's what's tricky is what does it even mean? People have different analytical methodologies, and there's a small sample size. I think uh, Tyrese Halliburton is somebody that people say he punches above his weight in the metrics versus what the eye test is. So that's a guy where analytics favor him way more than the old school assessment. Um, and I get both parts of that. And when you watch him play, he's a little bit not so fluid, a little bit herky-jerky. Uh, the three-point shot goes in, but it doesn't look great. And I'm not sure what it all adds up to. He, I think, is an excellent defensive talent. Um, 
I don't know if he's somebody who can just be running your offense on the ball. So therefore, I don't know if he's somebody that you pick in the lottery. But that's one guy where the analytics love him. The eye test doesn't. Isn't Anthony Edwards is, scores pretty well in the analytics? Did I see that right? I, that was that volume. Efficiency, right? Yeah, yeah, well. yeah. The volume isn't good, but I, I think I've seen some where his offense, you know, per one hundred or something is, is is very good. But that might have had to do with the, the rest of the team wasn't very good, but. That would be a guy I think they would not take. I'm just like, we've been through this. Maybe they do end up taking him. I just don't see them taking a volume two guard who doesn't play defense. That I don't see. Like, I think we can go to, whether it's metrics or whatever, there's some things they're not going to favor in this pick. I think Obi Toppin's got some good metrics. Yep. I think that's yep. uh Well, he's very, you know, very efficient offensively. You want a little more blocks and steals. I think if you had a few more blocks and steals from him, he might be the number one pick. And I think, what is he at, one and one a game? I don't know what the block and steal rate is off the top of my head, but that's a guy where he's the best offensive player in college basketball. I think I can say that objectively. And you think about it, and Steve Kerr loves defense, but then again, let's imagine Toppin reaches his potential and he's flanked by Steph and Clay, and he's doing those dribble handoffs with them. That could be pretty good because he's got that ability to pop out and shoot the three, and he is a vicious rim runner, and you could see him having a lot of success uh, with Steph in pick and roll. So that, I think if you're looking at it analytically with that strategy in mind, that could be an out-of-the-box pick that people aren't necessarily saying the Warriors do, but I could see them doing for that reason. I don't know about this, the analytic approach. Here's what I don't know about. I don't, whatever it is, it needs to be like a tangible reason they'd select this guy it can't be because of something they don't see but think might be there if they put some things together it's like yo we got this guy because he's going to finish at the rim or we got this guy because he could shoot and we know that and they can't get all you know philosophical and deep about this one like 16 like game player. Yeah, they, they can't they, they just can't you need to be able to say he <laughs> the, will the, do i feel this. like the jacob evans like play 16 total games like how did, how did it no. work out I, did he make 16 <laughs> shots oh <laughs> yeah it did not it did not work which, out which, which you don't want to do though is completely say okay this guy sort of reminds me of, of jacob evans so we can't take him right yes. you don't want to you don't want to make the double mistake of reacting too strongly to a mistake you did make which which might have had some good reasoning it just didn't work out might have had some some and also some bad reasoning clearly and it's also different it's, you know was he 28th pick whatever he was and they're they're going to be sitting at one two three four five but yeah you do want some kind of top end skill i think that's you know somewhere there's got to be something this player does that is better than almost anybody else you know or top 10 percent in the league and that's not what they've had they have not had a young player have one of you know just like this guy is a top end talent at x again we, you know when you're drafting as late as they are it's hard to do that but they are drafting at the top and you can't draft for fit or you can't draft for complementary you can't draft for you know subtle things at the top it may, maybe subtle other factors but there's got to be one or two things this player really does and i just i'm, I'm looking at josh richardson in, in, the, in the playoff game yesterday and again you know it's a player we've all seen but i'm thinking man if they again we've, we've talked about it, it depends on if philadelphia is going to do a, a sell-off and maybe they are with, with the contract commitments they got the warriors can find a way to get him you know however that's going to be without giving up their first round pick which may not be possible but let's say they can do that with the trade exception josh richardson plus something else like top end that's a transformed roster because i think josh richardson's a pretty good player 
And he could really help out the Warriors in a lot of different ways. Could really help them out in the West where wings are king. Then you start to look at a roster that makes sense, I think, going, you know, at least for a couple more years, with, as long as Steph and Clay and Draymond are in their primes or, you know, close to their primes. That's how I think the Warriors have to approach this. If they spotlight the right guy, they can add a really good young veteran. Who does this pick fit with all that? And is this pick someone whose talent is going to start, you know, really, really lift up this franchise instead of just fit with everybody else? James Wiseman. James Wiseman. <laughs> yeah. What are the chances you give it that they know what they're going to do at this point? Like, they're like, ah, we got our guy. Everybody's talking about it, but we got our guy. I think 20%. I just don't get that. It might be lower, huh? It might be lower. Yeah, I don't get that vibe. And if they they did have that, who would it be? Your beloved James Wiseman. You sure it's not Anthony Edwards? (laughs) I don't think it's Anthony Edwards. You think they're going to take Anthony Edwards, Marcus? No, I think they're going to take Wiseman. But Anthony Edwards is the you know the guy who some people keep saying is they're going to take him. If it's He's Anthony Edwards, it's not unanimous behind the scenes, is what I would yeah. say. Um, <laughs> maybe, maybe, but I I honestly think that their mentality is this is months away. Let's just figure out where we're drafting. I mean, that's what Myers was saying. Let's get some clarity on it. But I don't think that they have this draft board right now. I just don't think they have it. I don't think they have that level. Or at least not it. one that they like. This is our draft board, right? Like we we believe in this. I might I might have one just because you gotta have one. We're a bunch of Denny Avija heads. Have we heard Avia. about a combine? Wasn't there was like a couple weeks ago there was word that there might be a combine somewhere in Orlando, maybe, or was that me just speculating? But I mean, they gotta have a combine. They gotta have something. Bob said that they were not certain they were going to have a combine. In theory, you should be able to have one, right? In theory, if you can pull off a bubble, you can pull off a combine. But this is sort of the story of how some of these what were they called, the Delete Eight, the teams outside the bubble feel a little bit angsty. They feel like they've been given short shrift, and nobody's really thinking about what they need to do. And then there is an economic aspect, and it's it's hard to know teams' individual finances, but I believe for the RSNs, if you do not get to 70 games, you're giving back the money. A lot of the money. Well, not, all, the, not all. Not the money. money. Not the all. games that you didn't play, you're giving back the money. If you don't reach but the threshold. But it's like four max, right? Like everybody plays 66 minimum. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm trying to get a handle on how much. It's- but see, also the Warriors had so many national games, so that comes into the equation too. They weren't going to get 70 on, on NBC Sports Bay Area, I don't think. It was going to be right out on there. So, yeah, that's what's blurry because I think they were, they were not, not going to get to 70 anyway. So were they have to give back for that? Maybe. I mean, maybe that's built in the contract. I'm not sure. Check with Golden, Goldman Sachs on that one. Yeah, I'll check with Goldman Sachs on that. But it, it just it speaks to this dynamic where they're out of sight, out of mind. They're, they're not getting really tended to from their perspective. And maybe this is all part of that, that why isn't anybody taking care of us? We've got to rebuild for next year. We've got to get the combine. And I think the NBA only has so much bandwidth, really, if I'm looking at it sympathetically towards the NBA. You know, trying to figure out the bubble is enough that it makes sense that you would not pay as much attention to the lottery teams as as maybe you should. So I get it from all perspectives. As teams start to leave, and some already have, I think maybe they'll get a feel like, okay, some of these hotels are emptying. Now, they got to give up the hotels, some of these hotels, but... You know, once things start cleaning up, maybe like, okay, now this is now we can start to think about using this gym for a combine or, you know, these rooms are now available. I think they're going to have to feel that 
and everything is, is in play. I think they got to have a comp. You got to know how, as Ethan's like, you got to know how tall these guys are. You know, at some point, you got you got to know how they, you know, stand Why next to each other. Why can't they just do it in the bubble they're in? Yeah, that's what, that's the. Especially that's with the, the, the teams who are out of the playoffs leaving. Like, you, you have the space. I think you can with the American players. Yeah, that would be the way to go. With the American players, it might be tricky because this is a very international draft. It might be tricky to get some of these guys from overseas all the way to the United States and, and into the bubble. I don't know. So what? Right? <laughs> You've been talking about American eyes in the sport. Like, <laughs> forget so what? They can't make it. That's on them. We're about the <laughs> American bad. players. We're about the American players, sir. <laughs> too bad, Killian. Too, I mean, too I, bad, I, I mean, you've convinced me to focus on home. And <laughs> <I> just... <laughs> well, okay. So, ATK, yeah, this is what he's been parroting for now. Yeah, I'm, I'm all have, in. I'm all in. Make American players great again. <laughs> basketball. <laughs> I've been called a basketball nationalist by some. Who cares if Diddy can't get here in time? Like, oh, well. <laughs> give a spot to a red-blooded American. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, take off those social messages too just take them off the, the, don't let them wear that in the in the combine i think that it's all about finding a balance the players just have to say what they want to say i don't think you're going to get to a situation where you're saying say this or say that with the players i don't think that works i do have a general message of and i do feel like it's it's one where it's almost taboo to say it or to say that there should be some balance it seems like there's a bit of groupthink here I feel like if I was running the NBA, if I was Adam Silver, I would probably put in a call to Stan Van Gundy and I would just go, look, you're our lead announcer. I'm not saying you can't say anything, but maybe keep it to two tweets, maybe two tweets a day, maybe not 30 tweets, maybe 30 political tweets a day is something that we, that maybe that's a little too much. So just think about what you're going to say in the two tweets and maybe not the 30 tweets. I feel like it's very taboo to even say that the NBA might want to consider at least some of their messaging or at least, you know, have some sense of, of moderation from the older voices in the sport. Am I crazy? Yeah. You I'm are. crazy. I'm crazy. crazy. You're crazy <laughs> in that, hey, this thing is riding on Stan Van Gundy's tweets. Pack up the tit, buddy. Like <laughs> It's not riding game. on it, but it does hit the papers. It does hit the Orlando papers. Okay, because... how about just get somebody else to talk? Like, how about counteract it with something? Like, why does Stan Van Gundy have to shut up? David Did... Stern's solution was just not letting Stan Van Gundy get a job. That's <laughs> now, now I'm seeing why that happened back in the day. As much as I like Stan Van Gundy. I get where you're coming from. I get the impetus behind it. I will have a lot more uh, understanding about it normally. But this is not a normal, this is not like a regular deal. Like, this is not like a Thursday in 2017. Like, like the entire globe is in, is involved in this. Like, if after 9-11, somebody was like, yo, chill, this is far too much America. Like, you'd be like, yo, shut up. We just <laughs> can, went through 9-11, right? Can you like, tone it, can you tone it yeah, down? Right? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, like the time is kind of dictating this and it's not like it's just if it was just a few cats right or if it was just this isolated thing this will be in history books right if if there's ever a time like is you get a pass it should be now and i just think that we're in a bubble though i think as an industry i think generally within the nba we are we we are doing so there's something interesting happening because i am totally open to the idea that you do certain things and you sacrifice business for them, that you take a moral stand and you say, hey, it's worth it. It's worth it. I believe in it that much. What's crazy to me is when one says, 
okay, it's hurting the bottom line, but this is the righteous stand that you want to take, so I get it. The response is total denial. Just like total denial that it could possibly, possibly be driving fans away. And then you've got this additional component where maybe the messaging would re- it would be received a little better or it would land a little better if you didn't have the whole China hypocrisy that is now. I think that's part of the word cloud, sadly. When somebody brings up the NBA, that's when they wind up in the news. It's it's the China stuff. That's when they hit like the big time news. And it's just become part of this brand issue for them that again if the idea is i don't care about my brand i care about history i care about being right well a then maybe cut the cord with china but b it's weird to me that there can't be an admission that perhaps taking a stand has a negative business consequence i find that odd we're about to turn this into a preview of point of contention. yeah that's point of contention can, can we dig you a little bit on the hypocrisy of always saying never apologize and now you can never dig me for the hypocrisy wait a second yeah that's a good point <laughs> <laughs> like what do they get out of saying that oh i don't think they have to apologize i just think that they need to eventually i think they need to move on from china i think it's killing them. now i don't think that i don't think that's a really a question right i think they need to move on from china you think moving on from china solves this problem absolutely not so what do they get out of it especially now with the with the ratings taken right they probably need that china money more than ever now <laughs> well yeah that's, that's why that's why it's a tricky situation but they also need the american money <laughs> they need both monies they need the china money. <laughs> trying to make this not another episode of Point i know of right but uh, I'll, I'll just say i i agree i i was partly editing that story so you know blame tim folks no all the points are well made and i signed off on it and i'm glad we had it i will say that you know it's probably when jackie robinson broke the color line that was really controversial and if we were following ratings back man, then stop taking the my point for yeah, point yeah. of contention man. <laughs> yeah. and i would say that that michael jordan is criticized for not making stances that would have made him less popular and sometimes the tide of history just does that you're maybe you're i don't want to say ahead of the curve what you know because that that judges what they're doing but some things you do have to react to before the rest of the country before the rest of the you know the population votes on it or is ready to tune in for it putting elvis presley on tv pissed off a lot of people but the world changed and it became a seminal moment i'm not saying the nba is supremely ethical and on top of everything they have certainly have their moments where where there are issues but at some point you just have to say this is where the world is moving and if it does cost us some customers and if it does complicate our dealings with china we just have to deal with that but we can't say okay we're gonna ignore this and avoid this and it because it costs us ratings it might not cost them ratings in two years it might but Reading that, I did flash to Jackie Robinson and say, where would that have put the baseball on the demographic issue at that moment? Probably not very, probably not very well. Probably, actually, they probably would have got majorly. And can we just take this, just take that part, and that's going to be my take on point of contention. My take take is that could well happen, but then we have to at least admit, I am still stuck on this thing of what are we doing when we're in denial about it? Like, what are we doing when we're saying that that's 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 not Who's who's in denial? Who's in denial? I would say as an industry, I would say as media, there is this dynamic of, well, I have 
have no problem with this, so therefore nobody else has a problem with this, or yeah, therefore but, there's but, no uh, way. And I don't want to pile on you here, Ethan, but that, that you talk about the echo chamber. That's a little. That's a reference yes, to the echo chamber, absolutely. isn't it? We all make these decisions ourselves, right? We write these stories, and sometimes it's going to piss people off, and sometimes we can't avoid it, and we understand it. We might lose some readers by doing that. I certainly have made that. I have that understanding, and it's an act of that's not a, of commission it's more where they're letting it happen they're letting their players take strong voices sometimes you just have to do that i just like if you feel like you want to look people in the eye again and i'm putting it on a higher moral ground probably than the nba executives are doing it i would be much more cynical about this i think we're seeing a lot of coaches were desperate desperate to maintain a connection to their players and probably have treated their players in ways that they're now wondering, oh my God, is that going to come out? I need to overcompensate. I think people are also smart enough to kind of get see that and to go, you I'd know, say I that's don't... probably much more so on a college level, I would say, than most, because I don't know, these these NBA players are grown men, multimillionaires with huge, you know, structures behind them. I think you're implying Popovich and maybe, but I'm implying all of them. I'm implying yeah. like all of them. Yeah, <laughs> but it's also like, part of coaching. You think and, Steve doesn't have a connection with his players, so he's using like BLM to get one? I mean, I, I think that's a bit of a straw bed to say doesn't have a connection. I think that coaches overall I'm sorry, are in I a was very. about what you just said. Nah, <laughs> I'm saying coaches overall are in a bit of a precarious space or maybe a socially racially awkward space to say nothing of just financially awkward where they are the theoretical boss of people who make more money than they do right like that's always been something there and i think some of what you are seeing from coaches across the league is i think they are protecting themselves in a way and i've talked to enough coaches in the years leading up to this that I'm, I'm looking at individual coaches and thinking this guy doesn't actually think this like i i've had this conversation with this person this this is a bit of a performance now does the public really catch on to that i don't know i don't or know care if they do. or care or care i mean i don't know if they do i don't know how much authenticity reads right i don't know but there is a dynamic i think and i think i'm a bit more of a cynical person sometimes although Although, Mark, actually, we're all pretty cynical in different ways now to think about it. But, you know, on this one where I just think this isn't necessarily about them channeling morality. I think that there is some some job protection here for obvious reasons. But, man, I, I have sympathy for everybody in, in the situation. And I shouldn't have sympathy for Adam Silver because he makes a lot of money. I would not Doesn't want everybody to be involved make a lot of money? Everybody involved makes a lot of money. I would not want to be handling any of this or trying to figure out what the right decision is generally. But I also think we need a wake-up call. I think those of us in the industry, my other contention when I see people arguing, and I try not to engage in too much of it. I try to make it, okay, I think the thing, I write the thing, other people can talk about it. But I think if you didn't know that league interest had cratered to this degree, does that make you stop and pause and wonder if you're on the up and up about everything going on? You know, the, 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 you're seeing the whole the whole playing field, as it were. You know, if this is a shocker, if you didn't know it, if that 45% viewership fall within the last eight years is something totally surprising to you because you thought interest was only gaining, I feel like that should be an occasion to maybe pause and maybe think that you might be in a bubble and not just the one in Orlando. That is what I'm saying. Point of contention! Yeah, I agree with all that except for, and I have seen the arguments and I kind of feel it, it's, 
you know, we're talking about standard measurements here. We're talking about measurements that, that were in effect in 2012, 2010, 2011. Hey, would you stop? Yeah. And, and like, it's not necessarily yeah, the measurements that are, that, that are the <laughs> You're most. You're stealing relevant. all of Marcus's <laughs> points. I, I can only get them now, all right? I can only say them now, so I'm getting them in, that are uniquely affecting NBA demographic is uniquely tied to NBA demographics. So while that for you know, it's like the Nielsen rating. There's a Nielsen rating, and it's like these uh, like does everything still stay exactly the same from 2012 till now? No, things. And I and I know your point that the NFL certainly hasn't gone down. MLB hasn't gone down. That's all true. It's something, and, and advertisers look to those things. I'm not disputing that. I'm saying though that. I don't make the same, like, okay, if it wasn't 2012, it's now in 2020, that means there's 45% less interest. I don't make that assumption. I think there are other, you know, filters to look through this. And I agree, all this should be addressed. Absolutely. These are all affecting the larger picture, certainly the larger financial picture for the NBA. But I do think that they are uniquely affected by the way people consume these games, the way people discuss. And we see the heat on Twitter, and I know it's different, it's not always the same, but the heat on Twitter about the NBA, I think, reflects a social media context, reflects things that are not just thrown away. You can't just throw it away and say it's meaningless. It does mean something. Maybe it's over. It, we overestimate it. But I, I don't throw it away. It or does don't mean know something. how to value it. Can't exactly. Or don't or don't it. know how to economically appropriate it. And their money's based on the old TV networks. There's no question, and and, and will be. For, and trying to get new money based on yeah, the old TV. Networks. Exactly, right. and will be in the considerable future. We don't know when it's going to go to Quibi or whatever it's going to be. But I just don't throw that away because that interest is still there. We see NBA players in all the national commercials. We'll see, we still see. The fixation with LeBron James. Oh, they, they, that, that does mean something. I've been working for you for way too long. <laughs> like, <laughs> I take your point, and the counterpoint is, this is the fault of the people who watch this stuff. It's one thing to say, hey, man, if you think there's nothing been going on, you're kind of complicit. The people who've been watching it are the people who are at fault here. Like Most people don't understand it, and the people who do have not been able to articulate this period nobody knows what the hell nielsen is nobody gets it like nobody understands what it means 1.3 uh like people don't know that and the people who do know that have done a like frankly <laughs> awful job sports media watcher yeah, yeah, talking yeah to you. absolutely yeah all of me like it's like you're reading stuff like all right i don't know nobody knows what the in general People don't know what it means. I always try to go millions of viewers. I always try to go number. Because once you start talking shares and decimal points. And, and plus, you, you know, know, part of this is like by design, right? They're not releasing all of the information, right? So the information is hard to get. You got to like, you know, uh, this is how a sports business journal, like, you know what I'm saying? Get you this. Like, I got it, right? But the analytics movement even had to figure out a way to elucidate what they were talking about. And did a good job of it. We need this public enough, A, that people can gamble on it, and then I can write a column where we try to predict how much, you know, you know whether it goes over or under on uh, on these. And maybe that already exists in case I need it to study It does for the Super up. Bowl. It does for uh, the Super yeah. Bowl. I would like to gamble on that, number one. And then I mean, number we two, know what the CBA is. That's pretty complicated, like the CBA. We will talk about trade exceptions and biannual exemptions and, and all this stuff, and we figured out a way to understand that. 
because like that's what the people who dove in like who's the Larry Coon of ratings got us all figuring this out understanding uh, like that's, I think you're, I, I think you're talking like, to him. <laughs> that's what I'm, I, was, I mean I'm I not trying I I, I'm not saying you you but like yeah the the people who've been talking about this haven't done a good job of making it so people understand what they're talking about yeah I would agree with that. Yeah, what the context is. And Ethan is really, and Ethan, you're good at that. That's like, no question. That's why your stories are read so much for fear of praising you to your face. Oh, but, God, uh, the worst. Yeah, it, it, it does. You know, the contextual oh, totally part of it is, is, what le- <laughs> what, is what sets us off like a rocket ship because it's not densely put, you know, like, it's almost intentionally yeah, put into dense terms because people don't want to try to give it significance, social, political, whatever. But that's important stuff. That's why I like this story so much. It's like it started something that people have to realize, okay, boom, 45% loss on national TV games since 2012. Okay, where do we take this? Yeah, where do we take this from here? That's what I appreciate about this. We're having a decent conversation about it. It it can continue. The why is up for debate, but the what needs to be established, right? It's the, 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 okay, this is a real drop. Okay, at least in this metric, what are we going to do about it? What does it mean? Maybe whatever I said is crazy. Maybe it's something else, but I, I think it's a necessary conversation to pivot that conversation. Who's next? If we're thinking about there is this interest in highlights and in the stars, who is going to carry the league forward because we're seeing a lot of interest in superstars. I mean, the two draws of the league right now, I think, are LeBron and Steph, who are both in their 30s. Who do you see as the guy, as we watch this bubble, who is going to be the guy and the object of interest for the American public in basketball going forward? Can it be Luka? I mean, that's, I think it that can. would be, talent-wise, that would be the guy, I think. I think it can. He can be the, uh, you know, he can be the Federer. I think that you want some magicalness to your game, right? You want some magicalness like Steph has, you know, this, oh my God, how do you like Magic Johnson? Talking about magicalness. That kind of passing, I think, is something that really can make it pop, even if you're not the biggest personality. He doesn't appear to be the biggest personality. He's got a pretty, he's not a quiet guy, though. I mean, he's not a shrinking European guy who doesn't want to mix it up i mean he's mixing up with all those guys and you know he's a right six eight you know he's the right size for the way we like our superstars he he has that inside outside game he has the court vision you know gonna have to win but i watch that guy every like there's a mavericks game on i stop and i watch it just because i want to watch that guy and then i wait if he comes out of the game i'm waiting to see he slips on the was it was a little steph like when he slipped on the wet spot yesterday like going oh my god is he coming back he comes back and he's great that was steph like like i felt like there's a compelling sense about him that is a version of steph and i don't know if there's another guy like that uh, who, who can i mean lillard for sure it's a different kind of thing. I watch Lillard. I don't know that, that he's the guy that's going to... And, yeah, and he's, he's old. older. And, you know, Giannis, we've, as we've discussed before, just probably doesn't do that for, for the, the normal sports viewer. He put and, him on at what? Like 11 a.m.? I'm trying to remember. The, the, that said something. When the NBA puts your first playoff game on a weekday, and it's obviously a different situation, but that was a little indication that we're not trying to foreground Giannis, that we keep trying to start this car, the engine's not turning over. Uh, I, I think that was the NBA's subtle decision, and it's strange because he's incredible. We've never seen anything like him, and there's just something. It's that alchemy of superstardom that's so hard to really parse why somebody's a big deal and somebody isn't, but 
you know, the NBA just said, look, we've, and I see the numbers, I see the numbers on his games. And the NBA said, you know what, screw it. We're burying the Bucks game. We're not, we're not putting that out there front and center. Yeah. I, I think Durant next year, we'll see is going to, is going to carry a lot of games. Uh, well, Durant plus Kyrie Zion is still, if Zion gets into shape and if Zion doesn't get hurt, he will be that guy for the NBA. But that seems to be an if that's as big as Zion right now. <laughs> I, I don't know, man. I feel like the watching of the weight is part of the thing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I think it adds to the injury. You're clued in that uh, that situation. Who's getting that New Orleans show? Oh, I don't. I don't have any. Uh, I, I don't. Come on, you were all over this one. All I was all over the power stretch. I mean, I was talking it's about Ty Lue. It's Ty Lue. That would be That's a good. Book. That would be a good hire. I like Ty Lue. Yeah, that would be a good decision for them. With Ty Lue, I wonder how much he wants to get back in the game. You remember. He took a brief sort of uh, rest from it because his he was just collapsing and falling apart. And maybe that's coaches. They are addicted to the misery. But, yeah, if Ty Lue wants that job, it's not like I can think of a better option. And, you know, he did a pretty damn good job when he was running the Cavs. And or uh, Alvin Gentry back to the Warriors staff. I guess they don't have an opening, but that's something that certainly comes people. I mean, they make one. I think yeah, they should make very... one. Very comfortable, just, you know, member for of that us staff at least. As, as people who need <laughs> quotes, as people who need quotes and just coaches to talk to, I think we we demand the media. We de- we demand that Alvin and his one liners. Uh, What's happening return. to the Steve Kerr uh, coaching pipeline here, though? Like Luke Walton potentially in some trouble. Is there is there a is there an issue here with a Steve Kerr? Uh, the coaching the water's flowing in the other direction right now in the pipeline. <laughs> no, nobody even thought. Right, call nobody. a plumber. Collins didn't even come up. Like, hey, who's gonna get the who, who's gonna get the New Orleans job? Like, gee, Steve, come on, man, get it together. Get your guys some looks, Steve. <laughs> That's what happens when you have the worst record. It's not gonna help Jaron's case if uh, Luke also, and I think we're all assuming at some point with a, with a changeover with Joe Dumars temporarily or permanently taken over in Sacramento. I don't know that's going to be too good for Luke uh, long-term. Well, if if I'm Steve, I'm talking to media and probably going, you know it was me, right? You know it was... (laughs) Right? I mean, y'all thought it was the sister. (laughs) (laughs) Luke was winning all those games. (laughs) 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 It was Bruce Frazier. We all know it. It's Bruce Frazier. (laughs) 49 and 4, huh? Ha. Draymond <laughs> shot 40% because I was gone, huh? Alright. <laughs> I wonder well, if we're Steve not, yeah, we're not seeing Mike Brown get listed in some of these anymore. I mean, I think his name came up with his Knicks. I guess he did interview with the Knicks, but I mean, he's going to get, I think Mike's going to get a job at some point, but uh, yeah, you know, the Warriors got to start winning again before these names start get, get hot. Gee, I know, right? F- 15 and 50 don't exactly go, go wet on a resume, huh? <laughs> that doesn't help, doesn't help that much. Will we see, do you think, uh, any of the, you know, big three creating some kind of uh, camp? I know there are a lot of teams who are, like, not happy that everybody else is playing and they, they, don't, they aren't allowed to do something. At some point, are we going to see a player just do his own thing and organize something here? NFL, they did. I mean, yeah. you know, there's you see there a, a lot of cases from that too, by the way. Yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> I don't think the NBA PA would be too happy with that. I think it's going. They want it to be through league sanctioning, through league protocols. I mean, is the NBA PA one of the reasons why they, they aren't allowed? Exactly. Like that's, that's, I mean, well, yeah. it's, it's one of the reasons. They, bargain, but they want right? to set. Yeah, they want to set up protocols. They want people to, and they want just 
they want fire engines to be rolling. Ethan, all right over there? Yeah, that's my house. That's Tim's house. By the way, as as, as an aside, somebody, uh, a player who's pretty high up in players' union activities, texted me about the article yesterday and did not care about any of the themes in the article at all and just was fixated on, so are the owners going to lock out or what? Like, is the lockout coming or what? And that was that was the focus. So read into that what you will. They're going to lock out and the ratings are going to be even worse. And then, then the next TV deal is going to be worse than that. But bah, we'll see. It's, it's, it's always good for people to be looking ahead. There's a reporting that they're, they're, they're still trying to put together these mini camps. I think I texted somebody yesterday and, you know, he wasn't sure. But we know the Warriors sure want it. And we know, I think, the, the players would be up for it, whether, you know, whether Draymond's going to be running five on five for two hours or not. I'm not sure. But I think that there's a chance that the, they have them at the mini camps at their own sites. You know, I think putting them in another bubble was going to be a little bit tough to do. Even putting them all in Orlando as the other other playoff teams leave was going to be tough to gather everyone up and get like, they just want them at their place, run five days, you know, do whatever you got to just make sure that they've touched the basketball and been around teammates once in nine months. I, I think there's still a, sh- a good shot at this. Uh, but as Ethan says, the NBA is thinking about so many other things right now. And NBPA rightfully wants to make sure it's safe, wants to make sure that nobody's forced to do it when they don't want to do it. But they still have some steps to go through. But I'll say, you know, we were all critical of the, the delay to put together the bubble and the uncertainty. And are they actually going to do this? It's working out, right? I mean, we haven't seen an outbreak. We haven't seen little issues, but the basketball's fine. They put that together with some amount of delay, and they got some amount of delay with a minicamp situation. I, I'm okay with it because this we've seen that they got this bubble thing, at least for now, done pretty well. So just to be clear, right, just to be, you know, have everything lined up, when Steph holds the camp at the gym in Walnut Creek, that's Ethan's. Ethan's covering that, right? Ethan's covering <laughs> I want to go to that. There. He's already I, there. I, I, I want to go to that. I, I, I'm excited about it. I think Ethan's going to run the camp. He's I've tried to get in fun. touch. I mean, maybe the NBA doesn't like me very much. For I don't even know why. No, I, I've, I, I've tried to get in touch with them and try to uh, start talking about the Walnut Creek uh, G League Select team, and that's something I'm very interested in and would like to get in touch with the people running that. But, yeah, if it's in the backyard, hey, we love content. I like that there is a stream of content right now, that there are games, that there are, th- there are things happening. It felt quite... Uh, I don't even know what the word is, but uh, it felt like we were parched, and now we've got we've got sustenance. Uh, last night it was yeah. I mean, got, I was got two baseball games going on at the same time. You got the NBA. It was lit the last night. Oh, so I was like, I'm just like, I don't even know what to watch right now. And all games are all close. And I was at 49er camp earlier in the day, and 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 I've said this a few times. I understand, you know, it's mostly sports writers who are complaining about these leagues going on and saying it's all a farce. I understand that. I am not of that opinion. I, I encourage them to try. I support this. I want them to get it done if they can. I also want them to be careful and to shut down if it's not going to work. But, dang, I mean, this is the leagues are meant to play. Like These things are supposed to be playing if they can possibly do it. If you can do it without any kind of, you know, severe dangers, I'm all for it. And last night, was I was loving it. I was just loving it. I mean, just go flick, 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 flick. And just trying to keep track of all the things the same. That's what we're used to. That's what that's what the sports world has come to mean in North America. 
and it's good for business. So, so I certainly count that. But I think it's just good for our mentality. Like we have things that we can watch, we can look forward to. I can say, oh, wait a minute, the Lakers are playing today. I want to watch this. Those are all good things, and I, I encourage and I support these leagues trying to do it. I really do. Yeah, no, nah, I think we need to walk away from sports for a couple of years, re- reevaluate our priorities. And you know what they say, if it's real love, they'll come back. I think that's a perfect way to end this week. It's real that's love. a good Warriors side plus off. minus. <laughs> to continue the love, we'll be on listen to points uh, points of contention. We don't feel that way about our listeners. If you really love us, you will listen to every episode. So that's just that's just <laughs> don't, go away. Don't, don't go, go away. away. don't go away. Don't go away. Don't change hey, that channel. You gotta let them go. And if they come back, it's real love. We're out of here.